0: Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
1: Yes, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, but Jimmy Fallon's not here right now because we got some news about our boy tonight, or... Hey, girls, he'd say. It's me, Rich Zioli, with you from WPHD in Philadelphia, where you can hear Fox Cross America with Jimmy Fallon every Saturday. But, you know, tonight, it's a big, big night because Jimmy got the call from the bullpen, and he is filling in for Greg Gutfeld tonight on Gutfeld. He's hosting the show tonight, baby. This is great news. We're excited for him, and Jimmy's going to check in with us around 1230 or so. Uh, But I'm fired up. So he texted me yesterday and said, Hey, I need you to jump in for me. And I said absolutely anything that will help Team Fela out, I'm on board. And then I'll do my own radio show in Philadelphia later today. So this is good. So it's great to be with you on a busy, busy afternoon. And I'll tell you, Pete Buttigieg yesterday dressing up, playing uh, his little cosplay construction worker outfit. I really thought that was cute, wasn't it, with the hat and the goggles and the little vest. It's like with my son. He's eight, and he plays highwayman. I say, Patrick, put on your little, your little outfit, like for Halloween or something. That's what Buttigieg looked like. It was so bad. So bad. And the condemnation of Biden's handling of this, what a mess. What an absolute mess. I mean, East Palestine, this train derailment has been the defining moment of the Biden administration since the last fiasco, since the uh, withdrawal of Afghanistan and the fiascos in between that. It's really bad. And you know what's else, what's too, is that the blame that's going around trying to blame former President Trump for this, which is just laughable. And even the NTSB person came out today and said this was entirely preventable. None of the excuses that they tried to blame Trump for uh, measured up in any way, shape, or form. And then when, when Trump went to Ohio on Wednesday, it was very smart politics. It really was. What I still cannot figure out is how politically naive and how politically stupid Pete Buttigieg really is. I mean, think about it. Right. Biden doesn't care. He's probably not going to run again for another term. Something I'll talk to you about later in the show today. He's probably not. Let's face it. This this Ukraine thing and Tulsi Gabbard's going to join us later in the show to talk about Ukraine. This whole Ukraine thing. This is Biden's legacy. This is what you do on the way out. And the United States of America right now is so committed to Ukraine, to the war, to stopping Russia at any cost. Today, it's another two billion dollars. At any cost, whatever the cost, how long it takes. Biden said that. As long as it takes, we'll be here. You know why? Because this is Joe Biden's legacy. And on his way out the door, he wants to be remembered for something. And this is it. So he doesn't care about the people of Ohio because he's not running for president again. If you were running for president, you'd care about the people of Ohio. You'd be on the ground campaigning there. I mean, helping them because you have to be campaigning there in a matter of a couple months. Ohio and Pennsylvania were both affected by this train rail derailment. This massive chemical fire, this environmental disaster. I broadcast out of Philadelphia. But Pittsburgh's not that far. And up there, people are very concerned. They're very worried about the water, the air, all of it. All the dead animals. There's been something like 26,000 dead aquatic animals that they've found. 26,000. So when Trump goes there, who is running for president, and talks to the people there, he reassures, reassures them. And it's great politics. It really is. It's great optics. It's also the right thing to do because people deserve to be reassured. Yet the Biden administration has done nothing. FEMA just decides to go after Trump announces he's going. And then they get there, and it's like, well, everything's fine. What are you people worried about? Stop it. Drink the water. I mean, I've got my on here, but you should drink up. Drink the tap water. I'll stick to my flavored propel water. But no, go ahead. Really, it's fine. Then the people are worried. They don't feel reassured. And Biden's not there because Biden doesn't care. He doesn't care because he's not running. Politicians many times only do what's in their best interest. I know that's shocking, right? Big revelation. Even the environmental activist Aaron Brockovich is planning a town hall event today at the town high school. Tulsi Gabbard was there last night. In fact, she was talking to Jimmy last night when Jimmy was guest hosting for Kennedy on Fox Business. And they had a great conversation about it. And she said how incredibly disrespectful and pathetic it is that this administration has not done more. And I don't know. I mean, can you trust the EPA when it comes to the air quality? My dad was down at Ground Zero. He was a uh, Port Authority lieutenant. And so he was down there in the pit. He and his guys for months were down there with recovery efforts. They've got all kinds of chronic problems now. Lung problems, stomach problems, digestive problems. It's all there. And yet they were told what? Christy Todd Whitman at the time was the Environmental Protection Agency administrator, and she said, the air's fine over ground zero. It's perfectly fine. So I don't know about you, but I have a very hard time, a very hard time believing anything that they tell me. And Buttigieg and his buddies are shocked. They're shocked that he's taking so much heat, but what I can't figure out is, okay, Biden doesn't need to go to Ohio because he's not running again, but you may. You may be running for president again. So why would you not go? Why would you not be on the ground in East Palestine, reassuring the people of Ohio, reassuring the people of Pennsylvania, two states that, hey, genius, you'd have to win if you want to become president? I mean, Pennsylvania and Ohio, the Rust Belt in particular with Michigan, Wisconsin, that is, that is must-win territory for 2024, And what, I guess the Democrats have already written it off, like, ah, it doesn't matter, Ohio, we're just giving giving it to the Republicans, we're not going to try? Because that's what it seems like. Typically, if this were a situation where there were voters at stake, you'd think they would be down there grandstanding every day with press conferences, and they'd all have their little vests on. I mean, politicians love to do this, don't they? They love to get the vest with their name on it. I always think of... uh, Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie after Superstorm Sandy came through and he had his vest on, the big the big fleece, said gov on it. They love to do that. They get the jackets, they get the fleeces, and they stand there and they have press conferences. And what do they want to do? They want to look like they're in charge and reassure people because it's good politics, it's good optics. Now, I understand why Biden doesn't do it. Biden doesn't care. He's not running again. He'd rather be in Kyiv, because that's his legacy, he thinks. He'll solidify this legacy before the world and then call it a day. But Buttigieg, dude, what are you doing? You should be there. I mean, if you've got any presidential ambitions whatsoever, you should be there. You should be on the ground. You should be shaking hands with people. It takes him weeks to get there. And then when he gets there, he loses his train of thought. I kid you not. He actually said that yesterday in the middle of the press conference. I couldn't believe it. We have the audio of this. This is what little Pete said yesterday. Cut number one.
2: Both information and misinformation injected into this situation. None of which is to the benefit of the community uh, when it comes to that misinformation. Norfolk, so I think, so I lost my train of thought. Um. <laughs> I lost my
1: train of thought. Come on. You got to love the irony of this, right? Lost my train of thought. And he's there with his dress up cosplay. He's got the goggles on. He's got the hat. He's got the vest on. And it looks like my eight year old son. And then they ask him, you know, was it a mistake? Should you have come here sooner? And the answer to that is Yes. The answer is if you mess up in politics, you just take responsibility and you go, yeah, you know what? Yes. Yes, I should have been here sooner. My bad. I made a huge mistake here. What was I thinking? But instead he plays a little game. And this is the game, cut number three. Was it a mistake not
2: to come here sooner? What I tried to do was balance two things. My desire to be involved and engaged and on the ground, which is uh, uh, how I am uh, generally wired to act. And my desire to follow the norm of transportation secretaries, allowing NTSB to really uh, lead the initial stages of the public-facing work.
1: Now, you remember the other night this um, reporter from the Daily Caller Foundation came up to him and tried to ask him questions, and he said, I'm on my personal time. Don't bother me. I'm enjoying a nice stroll. I remember my buddy Dana Perino said the next day, when you're a cabinet official, you don't get to take personal time, particularly when there is a tragedy, when you're in the middle of a tragedy right now. You don't get you don't get time off the clock. All right. And for Pete to say, well, this is just my style. You know, I let other people do it. That's the problem. If you want to run for president, you don't look like a leader. You don't look anything close to being a leader. And let me contrast that with what Donald Trump said. Is he's out there in East Palestine, Ohio. By the way, did you see he went to McDonald's? Went to McDonald's, bought everybody lunch. All the first responders, everybody who was in the restaurant. Bought, but if we have the audio of that, actually. of Donald Trump in McDonald's. <laughs> and I know for a fact he does love McDonald's. He does. He eats it all the time. He's a huge fan of cheeseburgers. He really is. And ask anybody who knows him, he has a cheeseburger for lunch every single day. He doesn't. He loves fast food. So do I. So do I. And I have to convince myself not to eat it because the love handles. But truthfully, whenever we're on the road with kids, we stop at McDonald's because it's a no brainer. You know what you're going to get. It's quick. The kids get the happy meals. They're happy meals, obviously. And, you know, you're not going to be surprised by anything. So whenever we do a road trip in my family, that's always McDonald's is always on the road. But I don't just normally go get it for lunch because, again, You know, I want to make sure I can fit in my pants. So I try to be good because I have a tendency to, you know, I'll eat the entire fry, like every fry, and I'll reach at the bottom of the bag to find extra fries. You do the same thing, right? Well, Trump's not ashamed of that. He's not ashamed of his love for McDonald's. He wears it on his heart. He wears it on his sleeve. Cut 13.
2: Hello, everybody. That's a nice, beautiful looking group.
3: So I know this menu better than you do.
1: Okay. I
3: probably know it better than anybody in here. Uh, we're going to take care
2: of the fire department. Okay. We're going to take care of the police
1: department. Yeah, he's going to take, by lunch, and everybody in, the, in McDonald's that day got it. Absolutely. So good. Good for them. I'm glad. And that's the difference, though. So much of this is optics. It really is. So much of this is optics. And what do you think? I mean, do you think this kind of confirms... Biden's absolute unwillingness to go. Does that confirm for you that he's not running for president again? Or is it just that they're just so arrogant they don't care? 888-788-9910. 888-788-9910. Trump is running for president, and he won Ohio, and he wants to make sure he wins it again. I don't think that's why he was there. I think he genuinely was doing it because it's the right thing to do. And he watched as this administration did not show up. He watched as people were hurting and people were scared. And he went and he addressed the residents of East Palestine Very smart politics, cut 10.
2: We're here today
3: in East Palestine to show our love and support for our fellow Americans in this hour of need to the people of East Palestine and to the nearby communities in Ohio and Pennsylvania. uh, We have told you loud and clear, you are not forgotten. We stand with you, we pray for you, and we will stay with you in your fight to help answer and the accountability that you deserve.
1: Smart. Just smart politics. You do it because it's the right thing to do, but you also do it because you see there's a huge opening here. Now, what I love is that some CNN reporters were actually justifying the lack of Democrat presence in East Palestine. Actually justifying this because, well, you know, they're a bunch of Trump voters anyway, so who cares? Cut 11.
4: This is sort of hardcore Trump country. If this was not a Trump plus 20 district, as you just said, I don't think you would be seeing him there. If this was anything that was, uh, you know, much closer electorally, he has been looking for opportunities to put himself in the news cycle.
1: So is that just sitting now? We just write everything off. We just we just write these things off and we say we don't even bother. Democrats don't even bother anymore. They don't even bother to try. Right. They don't even bother to try. They just they just, they just give it up. These people used to be many of them Democrat voters. These are white working class people, many of them. And they used to be Democrat voters. But then the Democrats turned their back on the working class, the working man, the working woman, and became the party of coastal elites. James Carville has said that before, too. He said the biggest problem right now, with the Democrats, is they become the party of the faculty lounge and the coastal elites in New York and California. They abandoned the working man. They got on board with globalist trade treaties, and they saw their factories close up. They saw opioid epidemics. They saw coal, the war on coal and towns around there shut down. And those voters switched to Trump in 2016. And because the Democrats don't learn their lesson, they're not even trying to get them back at this point. They've literally just written them off. It's political malpractice, if you ask me. It's also the wrong thing to do. 888-788-9910. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fela. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for your radio buddy and mine. We're coming right back.
0: Critics are calling it the funniest show on the radio. Now,
1: funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, as you.
0: This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I almost had it.
5: All right, this one's for the fellas who want to tap the brakes on the aging process. How do you do that, Jimbo? We're talking about Nugenics Total T. Okay, every day that passes by is a day that you lose testosterone, which means less muscle, less energy, less get up and go in the bedroom. That doesn't sound any fun, but are you really ready to lose your shape, your muscle, maybe even in your energy? You don't have to. Okay, you can slow it down with Nugenics Total T. Nugenics Total T, it'll boost free and total testosterone and it'll help you get the old fire back, at work, in the gym, in the bedroom. How about it? Nugenix Total Tea Testosterone Booster has Testofen, which will boost your testosterone. You know, the man hormone. How about more of that? You can try Nugenix Total Tea before you buy. There's nothing to lose. Everything to gain. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenix Total Tea when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword JIMMY. Text now. You'll get a bottle of Nugenix Thermo-X, the newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help You lose fat fast and get lean fast. It is absolutely free. Your complimentary sample available to you. If you text 231-231 and enter keyword Jimmy, it's 231-231 and you enter the keyword Jimmy. Texting enrolls you in a recurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply.
1: It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Thaler. Jimmy is tonight hosting Gutfeld. We're so proud of him. So it's me, Rich Zioli with you. And great to be here on a very, very busy day. have some great guests coming up. First of all, Jimmy himself will be here at 1235. And uh, later in the show, Gordon Chang. We'll talk about China and China trying to be the peacemaker when it comes to Russia. And also, too, Tulsi Gabbard will be here. So I'm excited about that. we got to talk about all the funding for the war in Ukraine. And I want to ask you, too, are you okay with this? Are you okay with the never-ending stream of money that seems to be going to Ukraine? You know, I was reading today a piece that was written by, um, whose name will come to me in a second. You ever have those moments where you just all of a sudden you forget whose piece you were reading? I know why, because I got distracted by Roald Dahl. Did you see today the publisher announced that they are going to continue publishing the original versions of all those great books we read as as kids? Like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and James and the Giant Peach. They were going to change those things because of Woke you know like they weren't going to let uh the, the you know the the chubby kid the fat kid in in Willy Wonka a uh, 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 what's his name adolphus goose or whatever his name is God, what i haven't seen that movie in forever but they were going to change his name and they were not going to let him be you know the plump kid anymore but it's stupid because nobody really gets offended by this stuff except for a very very small group of people who get offended and then when you start catering to them you cater to the left You cater to this very small, woke mob, and you make really dumb mistakes. And so luckily right now, the classic collection of the original Roald Dahl classic collection will continue to be published under the Penguin logo and Puffin, which is, I guess, now part of this. They say Roald Dahl's fantastic books are often the first stories young children will read read independently and taking care for the imagination. And fast-developing minds of young readers is both a privilege and a responsibility. We also recognize the importance of keeping Dahl's classic text in print by making both Puffin and Penguin versions available. We are offering readers the choice to decide how they experience Roald Dahl's magical, marvelous stories. The move came soon after Camilla... Queen Consort of the United Kingdom was the latest to express disapproval of the rewrites. Uh, In public remarks, while he interpreted his weighing in on the debate, Camilla said to the authors, please remain true to your calling, unimpeded by those who may wish to curb the freedom of your expression or impose limits on your imagination. Good for her. Enough said, the Queen Consort explained to the audience laughs. Even the United Kingdom Prime Minister expressed a position on the controversy earlier this week when he said... When it comes to our rich and varied literary history, he agrees with the BFG that we shouldn't gobble-funk around with the words. So for now, at least, the original Roald Dahl writings are okay. And I never realized this before. You know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was actually a morality tale about the seven deadly sins. You may know that. The seven deadly sins of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, because they had gluttony Augustus Gloop, that's his name. Couldn't remember the name of that kid. He was the gluttony. The boy can eat and eat and eat. He falls into the chocolate river because he couldn't stop drinking all the chocolate water. Water, its my Philly accent coming out. Pride, right? Violet, it's pride. She flaunts the fact that she is the current record holder for the longest time spent chewing a single piece of gum. Not only that, she has to be the center of attention or else she's not happy. Greed, Veruca Salt is Greed. Don't care, I want it now. That was her whole thing. And then there was sloth, and there was lust, and there was wrath. When you get nothing, when Gene Wilder was yelling, you get nothing. And Envy, who Grandpa Joe envied the way both Willy Wonka and Charlie had the golden ticket. So there you go. Don't mess with these things. These are classics. And as a dad, I can tell you, if I'm offended by references to Augustus Gloop being fat, I'll make that decision. As a formerly fat kid myself, I'll make that decision. I'll I'll, I'll choose. I'll choose, but I don't need them rewriting this stuff because all it does is muddy the waters and take away the fun. So even when the, when the queen consort speaks out, you know they've made a mistake. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's me, Rich Zioli, in f- with you for Jimmy. Jimmy's going to join us in a moment as he gets ready to host Gutfeld. We're coming right back. So it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. But Jimmy Fallon is not hosting the show right now because tonight he's hosting Gutfeld. And we could not be prouder of him that he got the call up. So he called me up to say, can you host my show? And I I am hosting the show. Now, normally as the host of the show, you decide who the guests are going to be. But however, one guest I had no choice... And that's Jimmy Fallon. So welcome to the
5: show. Welcome to your show, Jimmy Fallon. It's like welcome to your life. Yeah. Holy hell. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. It's a, it's an it's my, honor. it's my honor to have you uh, on listen, your show. I have been trying to get booked on this show for years. They don't return my calls. They're like, no, we don't have any availability that day. Uh, but yeah, this VLE. is a big get for Fox Across America. Everybody, we got we got Jimmy Fallon here. You leave my weight out of this. Um, So just to give you some insight into the process, uh, you know, Gutfeld is tonight. And for all of our listeners on Fridays, they tape a little earlier in the day with a guest host in case somebody drops an F-bomb and they have to edit it and stuff like that. Uh, But it's going to be a hell of a show. Guy Benson is on. uh, Kat Timph is on. Author Walter Kern is on. And you know who else is on? John Taffer from Bar Rescue. Nice. So, yeah, no, it's a pretty peppy, good lineup. Like I'm, I actually feel good about it. You know, if there's any issue, it's the fact that I haven't slept since 1997. <laughs> uh, but once you get past that, on a little double espresso, I'll be ready and uh, defund the fashion police because I'm coming out guns blazing with an outfit. Oh, I can't wait! Can you give us a preview? Listen, ah, uh, listen. Uh, you know, I always say like I dress like an overweight figure skater. <laughs> I think now what I've done tonight for real is I've dipped into my Ted DiBiase collection. Do you remember the Million Dollar Man, the wrestler? Sure do. I I might even have to hire like a Virgil to walk around as my body. I'm going in. You know what I mean? It's like when you you really look out at the world, okay, and understand what a huge opportunity it is for me to be hosting the final episode of Gutfeld tonight, because it's over. I mean, we're going to run this thing (laughs) into the ground. You got to show up looking good for something like that. You don't just burn down the bridge.
1: You, you collect the ashes, and you set those on fire too, right?
5: <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny, man. Um, we, I, I like reading the stories and, like, knowing who was on. I'm in a weird mood this week. I think the world's in a weird mood, Zioli. And uh, I don't – you know You know. when, like, you're just living instinctively? And sure. uh, there's, there's no standards and practices in my head. That's what I'm saying. Like, I hosted a couple of nights at Kennedy – And, uh, you know, they basically came by my office last night and they were like, look, all 731 people we asked don't can't do the show tonight. Can you host Gutfeld? (laughs) And I was like, yes. (laughs) Yeah, sure. I guess you sure you don't want to call 732. They're like they did. He's not answering. I was like, all right, I'll do it. Uh, But the point is, no, I'm showing up. I'm ready to go. And I feel good. I'm delirious. I really haven't slept. So last night what happened was I did after Kennedy, I did a live Hannity. And Hannity came back to the green room afterwards. He was throwing footballs at my family. Jenny and Lincoln were there. And uh, you can't take Lincoln to the city without, like, feeding him at the end of the night. So we wound up in a diner at, like, 2 in the morning last night. I had a 2 a.m. diner visit, like, I was a college drunk. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Did you get fries with gravy? Because that was my old 2 a.m. <laughs> like, I didn't go, go all the way. What I did is I got a steak and eggs. I tried to delude myself into thinking that was healthy because I was eating a steak at 2 in the morning <laughs> with an eggs. And yes, I ate the fries. And uh, But I'm just, like, delirious. Like, I I got home from the diner at 3, and uh, because they tape early on Friday, I started getting emails at, like, 3.15. So I'm like, all right, I guess we're in bender mode. But you know what? This is safer than what I used to do on No Sleep, which was drive families to airports. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, less
1: people are in danger now, Jimmy Fallon. This is good. Uh, Jimmy's joining me now on his show, and it's great to
5: have him here today. (laughs) Now, (laughs) how many people watch Gutfeld on a given night? They say around 2 million is the average. 2 million, 2.2, um, you know, to get up to 2.5. So it's, it's so it's a solid number. I mean, tonight I would predict a solid million one. <laughs> million one? You could <laughs> lose half the audience? Is that the starting gate? Yeah, well, at the gate we'll have 2 million, but I'm predicting by the B block, a million five by the C block. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, think, I mean, you've been on the show a bunch of times. You kill it every time. It's why they asked you to host tonight. So, but do you, do you feel it? Di- is it different going in as a host than going in as a guest? Ah, uh, yes. The reason being is, as a guest, it's reactive. You know, basically, whenever the ball comes to me, I'm like, is Greg going to call me fat? You know, is he going to say, you know, because Greg will, you know, we, we dish a lot of tough love on the set. Sure. And what's happened is we have developed like such a weird bond with the audience that we now have nights on the set where if Greg makes fun of me or I make fun of him, the audience doesn't laugh. They get defensive. They're like, hey, that's not nice. I'm like, dude, we've been insulting each other in your living room for two and a half years. But they've become, like, protective. But what I think the difference is is because you're, like, the initiator, you're the action tonight instead of the reaction, I think the show's going to look a lot different than it does when Greg hosts just because my style's slightly different from his. Um, You know, he's snarky and funny and a good, really good writer. Uh, I'm just kind of there. You know what I'm saying? It's it's very, it's I'm just
1: taking up space. Yeah, yeah, like
5: Greg is like fundamentals. Like to give give it to you this way, Greg is like a boxer with like a jab and like a hook and a cross. I'm like the guy Andrew Galata, who bites your ear and punches you in the nuts. You know, it's going to be unorthodox, but it's going to look good. And you're also going to look tall, which is something that the host chair does not normally have. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's the it won't be my height. It'll actually be the three phone books that I'm sitting on. But, yes, I will look a little taller.
1: (laughs) We're excited for you, buddy. It's great stuff. And I saw last night when you hosted Kennedy, you had Tulsi Gabbard on.
5: Tulsi's joining your show later that I'm hosting today. Get out. She is. Yeah, that's that's a good get. We do. It's funny. She's never been on our show before. I had to lie and say I was Kennedy to get an interview with her. So you do, you're doing better than you give yourself credit for because I can't get her booked.
1: We want to know a funny story. So my show in Philly, which you're joining me later today, I'm very excited about. Uh, 5 p.m. tonight, Jimmy Fallon will be on with me and WPHD in Philadelphia. We, I, for months, I've been saying to my producer, you have one job. Get me Tulsi Gabbard. One job. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. So then I had a contest among my three producers to see who could first land Tulsi Gabbard. Mm-hmm. There was no prize, Jimmy Fallon. We have no money. <laughs> they weren't going to get anything. But it was bragging rights. Yeah, yeah. But then so many people started tweeting at her, like, you got to come on Zioli's show, that she finally just called in. It was yeah, like, yeah. I'm getting harassed on Twitter, so I figured I might as well make this phone call. We <laughs> thought we were getting punked at first. I thought it was like ChatGPT or something.
5: <laughs> no, like, this is the thing. She is a game. Like if she'd go on Kennedy with a guest host, you know, to be clear, it's pretty funny because she was in East Palestine, Ohio for the hit. So as I said to her on the air, I'm like, you'd rather be at a chemical spill than sitting next to me in the studio. Like, why does she need to be there other than it was an excuse not to hang out with me? She's like, oh, in studio? No, I'm going to go to that toxic fire uh, 400 miles away. (laughs) But uh, no, she's a sport. And I will tell you this. I met her when she was running for president. Her sister was her Secret Service detail because her sister's like an ex-NYPD cop. She might talk to you about that. And her sister was like the coolest chick I've ever met. Like, you know, an old school cop who's like pretty, you know, she'll talk street with you, tell you jokes and stuff like that. So Tulsi's a badass. And honestly, it's so funny. But if the Democratic Party was smart, they would have actually nominated her. Like, you know, a semester ago or made her the VP because she was so formidable in the last election because she wasn't like a big war, big government Democrat, but she was a Democrat and she was cool and she gave them, you know, a connection to like strong women. Instead of putting up, you know, all of these redundant idiots like Kamala and KGP, who they're trying to convince you are strong women. But these are stupid people. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you know, I wish them no ill will, but they could have actually led with a strong woman. Like the Democrat thing, as you know, is they give you a wildly unqualified person. And then when they suck at their job, they tell you that you only think they suck because of, you know, their background, their gender. I'm like, right. no, no, no. I don't think Pete Judge sucks at, you know, his job because he's gay. I think he sucks at his job because the trains are on fire and they're flying into the woods. There's not like if there was a straight guy doing this job, I'd be like, oh, guy's doing great. By the way, can you pass the bottled water? Because I'm not drinking tap anymore. Yeah, give me
1: the Avion. Yeah. What did you think of Pete Buttigieg's little cosplay outfit that he was wearing looking like a highwayman.
5: <laughs> well, they said they were coming out with alternative Legos. I didn't know that it meant like cabinet members, but he, yeah. <laughs> He did. He looked like you could take the head and the helmet off. Remember on a Lego, you could take the head off and like, put it on another body? He just looks like a Lego because he's like a life-size Lego. He's a tiny guy. I met him. This is a funny one, Zioli. I met him at like someone took me to like a power lunch when I was a writer for Kennedy. And uh, it was during the 2020 election cycle. I met him at the Regency on Park Avenue. He was there and he was like at some other competing table. But he came over because he knew there was money in the room. And just wanted to ingratiate himself to anyone, regardless of who they were, knowing he could hit them up with a check like a week later. And uh, such a phony, slimy, like, do you remember John Edwards from North Carolina? Oh, yeah, sleazeball, just dripped yeah. ooze, ooze everywhere. Picture John Edwards if instead of fondling another set of boobs besides his wives, he was putting on the set of boobs and pretending to chest feed. That's who he is. <laughs> He's a chest feeding John Edwards. <laughs> That's Jimmy
1: Fallon a wonderful compliment. I'm sure that if he found that out, he would feel really good about himself because let's face it. <laughs> if,
5: you know. if, he, if he gets a morning show, that'll be a good liner for
1: him. <laughs> oh, speaking of morning shows, you saw that Don Lemon was off CNN and the ratings went up five points. How
5: funny is that, man? Because who would want to wake up seriously to Don Lemon, like emotionally? Imagine like 5.55 comes and they just put a cigarette out in your eye. Now go get him, kid. Carpe diem. And you're like, no, no, ow. That's all I have is ow. But that's, that's Don Lemon. No, We're going to pull him. your toenails out. Enjoy oh. the day. He's such an embarrassment. I met, Funny, I met him too. I met him at two good parties. I was with Kennedy at one of them. And he really, it's funny about CNN people, is obviously it's the lowest rated network, and it's like a punchline everywhere we go, but they have the highest level of, like, pompous arrogance. Like, in a room, him and Brian Stelter really thought it was, like, you know, Hall of Fame weekend, and they were at the DiMaggio Mickey Mantle table. You know, like, they were the bell of the ball. Like It was, like, it was really weird. I'm like, like, dude, there were more people in this party than there are watching your primetime audience. (laughs) It was, like, 35, it was a house party. It It was it was even, like, a hall <laughs> or an event center. It was, like, it was a Chipotle after hours, which is- <laughs> There was the diner where you were eating your
1: uh, disco fries. <laughs> Lincoln was at there. Lincoln was there in the morning. Yeah, there you go. Wait, do you ever feel like, well, I know on my show, whenever I play a clip of CNN or, or The View or MSNBC, they're getting higher ratings with me
5: playing it on my show. More people are listening to it in that moment well, than watched it when it happened. Well, that's why CNN doesn't criticize Pete Booty Judge, because if it weren't for flight delays, they wouldn't have any audience. It's all airport <laughs> bars. It's airport bars, the occasional gym, but yeah, they get all their pub now from everybody trashing them. It's actually like kind of sad because they were a legacy network. You know how far how far they've come. Think about this: CNN used to used to have Lou Dobbs on there. Yeah, well, if you go back and watch the movie American Sniper. It's Lou Dobbs's voice in the background on the TV. They're constantly running cable news in the background and it's Dobbsy in the background. Hmm. So like to understand what CNN was to what CNN is, like it's been a little bit of a pivot, you know what I'm saying? And it's a democratic party as a whole really quick. I know you got to cut on your show here. You don't have time for the guest to ramble all day. <laughs> This guest is taking up all the oxygen in the room. Who who is this guy? Uh, He brought his own toys. He put them in the studio. I've never seen this guy. Who is this guy? Um, Just to give you an idea of, like, how far the left has come, okay? In 2003, at the Oscars, they booed Michael Moore for taking shots at George W. Bush. Do you remember that? He won an Oscar for Bowling for Columbine and trashed George W. Bush and the Republicans for gun laws. And the Oscars were like, dude, we don't do that here. Shut up. We all want to go have do cocaine and have sex right. with Charlotte Johansson. What are you doing? <laughs> Why are you upending the goodwill in the room right now? We all feel like we have a shot. And they boot him <laughs> because they knew where the bread was buttered. But yeah. everyone's gone the other way now, and that's the big issue. Like, they've kind of abandoned, like— what little principle they had, but it was principle enough. Okay, if you're the best-looking people on earth, which Hollywood is, you, you get away with a lot, you know? Just shut up. That's all they had to do. And it's the same thing with CNN. You got away with a lot. You were legacy media. All you had to do was not go crazy, but here we are.
1: You had two jobs, not go crazy, and don't shave Wolf Blitzer's beard, and you would have been fine. (laughs) Jimmy Fallon, we're so excited for you tonight, buddy. Hosting Gutfeld, Mm -hmm. 11 p.m. on Fox News. We could not be more proud of you, and I mean that sincerely.
5: That's a big win. I get the Gutfeld gig, and I get to go on my resume and update it and say I was a guest on Fox Across America. So (laughs) if anybody needs me, I'll be on LinkedIn. Thanks, Ioli. I owe you big. Jimmy Fallon, thanks for joining us on your show. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> and it's me, Rich, is the only in for that guy.
1: We'll be right back.
0: You're riding around with America's cabbie.
1: Taxi! Taxi! You're
0: hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America.
1: It's Fox Across America. You just heard Jimmy stop by. Sosin Gutfeld tonight. We're excited. Guy Benson's going to be on the panel, too. So it's going to be a great show tonight. So we're excited about that. Just kind of putting a bow on this. We're going to talk to Gordon Chang at uh, 105 today here in Fox Cross America. I'm excited to talk to him about China. China trying to play the peacemaker now with the Ukraine war. But they're also going to be supplying Russia with potentially lethal aid. So I'm going to talk to him about that as well. Because, you know, this, this notion of China calling for a peace deal, it doesn't seem to make any sense, and I don't, I don't buy it, and I think there's something else to this, and nobody knows China better than Gordon Chang, so I'm excited to have that conversation with him. But, you know, just kind of wrapping up the whole thing about East Palestine and what the people there are going through, I think it's really important to remember something, and that is that the, the handling of this by the administration, the optics are so terrible. Like, for example, if you're a press secretary, you have one job, literally one job. That's it. Your job is to talk to the press. That's it. That's it, that's all you have to do. You're the press secretary. You talk to the press, that's it. And in this case now, Pete Buttigieg's press secretary, Carrie Arndt, refused to answer questions on camera, okay? She, it was like she was acting like, what is this device that you have here? I've never seen this before. Take a listen to this, cut number four.
0: Will you apologize to the residents of this city for, for the, the,
1: the slow response? the government's slow no
4: response. Do you have any apologies? I am this press person I can help you. Sure.
0: I'm sure, sure, sure. So I don't can, want to be on can, can we ask why it took him almost 3 weeks to get here? I, I'm sorry, I don't want to do this on camera.
5: What was his personal time off while there was a tragedy happening to talk here? To you
0: guys off and can camera. we also Well, if you are the press secretary of the Secretary of the Department of Transportation, don't you think you should be able to ask questions from the American public that Absolutely. you serve?
6: Absolutely. I would like to do it without the camera on. Please. Can I ask why? I think that is a little bit aggressive.
1: That's w- why, why, is <laughs> why is it aggressive? Why is it aggressive? First of all, the camera, what is this, this magical satanic device you have in your hands that the press secretary has never seen before? What is it, 1812? Or is it like the talkies back in 1906? She doesn't know what that is. It's a camera. It's 2023. The press uses cameras. And the press secretary, who has one job, which is to talk to the press corps, yes, on camera, wants the camera turned off. They're just amazing. It's like, put down your pens. Pens scare me. They frighten me. And those weird tape recorder things you have, turn them off too. I don't know the buzzing, the whirring. I can't take it. It's very strange. But this is the point of this administration. The optics continue to look terrible for them over and over and over again. And you think about the poor people out there in East Palestine and how they're suffering. And of course they're suffering. I would be too. They, they, they did this whole little bit about drinking the water. They had a, um, a water tasting contest. And it was it didn't go over very, very well. And Governor Mike DeWine continues to tell everybody that the water's fine out there. I'm just telling you, if it's me, I'm absolutely going to Costco and I'm buying bottled water. There's no question about it. But Governor Mike DeWine of Ohio went on Cavuto and he talked about drinking the tap water. Cut 17. Look, if people
6: don't want to drink it, that's that's fine. That's that's up to them. Right. But, uh, you know, the experts told us, first of all, that they, you know, because of the, where the wells are located, they didn't think that they would be contaminated. But uh, we wanted to test them first. And so we tested them. Everything came back clear. We're going to test them once a week. We're going to continue to tell people what the results are.
1: Well, I don't know. You want to drink the tap water, the well water out there? Probably not. Right. And that's because of a huge distrust in the officials who tell us what is science and what isn't. And there's a lot on that, but let's talk China, shall we? China coming up with Gordon Chang. It's Fox Across America. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for Jimmy. Coming right back.
0: Live from Everywhere USA. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
1: It is Fox Across America. Jimmy's off today. Not really off. I shouldn't say that. He's not hosting his show today because he's hosting Gutfeld tonight, and we are so excited for him. It's me, Rich Zioli from WPHD in Philadelphia, Jimmy's buddy, and great to be with you this afternoon on a beautiful Friday afternoon, at least where I'm broadcasting out of Philadelphia today. And we're excited. Tonight, 11 p.m., Gutfeld, so make sure you tune in to Jimmy's Big Night guest hosting for Greg. It'll be fun. It'll be fantastic. Uh, Guys, is Gordon Chang there? Do we have Gordon? I think. Yes, we do. Wonderful. I'm very excited to welcome to the program today a man who uh, unquestionably knows the situation in China better than anybody. He is the author of The Coming Collapse of China. You can check him out on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang, Gordon Chang. And it's so great to have him here. Gordon Chang, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Rich. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's so great to talk to you. You know, uh, the latest news that just came out, it's breaking news, really, is that China now wants to be the peacemaker here in the war between Russia and Ukraine. They're calling for peace talks. I guess China now believes that they have a solution here. Um, Give us your thoughts on that, please.
3: Yes, the 12-point peace plan that Beijing issued today was, you know, there's a lot of fanfare beforehand, and a lot of people had expectations, but it was a complete dud when it was released, because really all it did was it called for a ceasefire, which is a real non-starter for various reasons, and it just showed that Beijing was not able to exert any sort of influence and to be an honest broker in what is the world's great tragedy. So I think this is essentially a failure of Chinese diplomacy right now, and uh, Beijing is gonna basically, um, with all of this effort, has basically achieved nothing. <laughs>
1: And now we have reports, of course, that China may be providing lethal military aid to Russia. And so, Gordon, what do you think that would look like? And do you think that that's true, that they would do that?
3: I think that it is true. Um, uh, Rich, they have been supplying lethal assistance from the beginning of the war. Um, but the most recent reports are extremely credible. Um, for instance, uh, Reuben Johnson of the Breaking Defense website points out uh, reports that um, almost every day – an Antonov An-124, which is the world's largest cargo plane, takes off from central China in Zhengzhou, carrying ammunition and other high-consumption-rate items. And the planes turn off their transponders, which means that neither China nor Russia wants the world to know. And, and really what we have right now is uh, China backing the Russians to the help. We've seen other um, instances of lethal aid including the provision of drones to Russia's Wagner group which is fighting in Ukraine and the Biden administration knows what's going on keeps on issuing warnings about rush about China about to provide aid and clearly doesn't want to face the consequences of China doing exactly what Beijing, what uh, Washington is warning them not to do
1: you know it's it, as i think about all this it, it It's clearly obvious right now that we're in a proxy war with China. We probably have been in one for a while now, Gordon, don't you think? Oh,
3: well, for a very long time. What we have has had uh, various instances where China has been applying its unrestricted warfare doctrine against us. So, for instance, uh, fentanyl. Um, when China backs the fentanyl gangs, uh, and that's 80,000 American lives each year lost to illegal Chinese fentanyl doses. But it's become much more clear that it's a proxy war with Ukraine, because China actually greenlighted this invasion. I believe, if you go back to February 4th of last year, China and Russia issued their 5,300-word um, statement. Um, where they declared their no limits partnership it was only 20 days after that rich that russia invaded ukraine and since then china has been um, providing financial economic diplomatic propaganda support and as we've just talked about lethal
1: assistance as well and what's the ultimate goal here gordon chang what what's china's big picture in in doing this
3: That's a great question, because it appears that what they are doing is undercutting China's position. Um, In in general, I think that Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler, and Vladimir Putin have very much common interests. They see the world in the same way, and they identify the same enemy, which is the United States. And so I think that Xi Jinping's initial calculus was that Russia would crush Ukraine. That would make, um, you know, put the United States on the back foot. Um, and that would show the world what Xi Jinping believes, and that is the United States is in terminal decline. And so um, there was going to be a propaganda benefits, which would be immeasurable for China, because China would then go to everybody else and say, well, you need to ditch your relations with the U.S. You need to start obeying China. Um, and, of course, China and Russia um, want to uh, bring down the existing international system, which, by the way, has been in place since 1648. So um, China saw benefits of destabilizing the world, and Russia was the best way to do it.
1: Gordon Chang is with me. It's so great to have him here today, author of The Coming Collapse of China. Please follow him on Twitter at Gordon Chi Chang. As I think about this right now, and I I look to the future, there's a story today, Chinese fighter jet confronts U.S. Navy plane with a CNN crew aboard. I'm sure you heard that story in in the South China Sea. uh, A very, very short time ago, they said the U.S. Navy reconnaissance jet Um, Over the South China Sea. And then I I guess it was a Chinese People's Liberation Army uh, pilot who came out and confronted them. It certainly seems like China keeps encroaching on the South China Sea more and more. And it you know, we're sending troops to Taiwan now, I guess, to help prepare them for an invasion or train them to be able to prevent one. It certainly seems like the tension is just ratcheting up here every single second. And I'm sure that's by design. I'm sure it's by China's design. And I'm sure that that spy balloon that came over our country, I would imagine, Gordon, probably has a lot to do with that.
3: Yes. Um, Excuse me. There are a couple of um, theories about why China sent that huge spy balloon over our most sensitive sites, And part of it is, uh, one of them is that uh, the Chinese military has now gotten so powerful that it can do what it wants, doesn't have to consult anybody else. Another theory is that Xi Jinping just wanted to um, humiliate the United States. He wanted to show the world that China was in control. Um, We don't know for sure. I think the second explanation is probably closer to the mark. But the point is that none of these explanations is good. All of them are ominous, and we are seeing China... Um, move in directions which are basically pushing the world to war it's a dynamic that we see some parallels to 1930s europe and we know what happened then
1: does china want world war three i mean what's their goal if that were to happen i mean what's like their big end game the 10-year 50-year plan because i know that there's questions about their population right and whether or not china has the resources it needs for the world or for to be able to, to to move forward right Yeah,
3: I I don't think China wants World War III. Um, What they want to do, though, is they want to make gains like taking Taiwan, and they think they can do that without war. Because Xi Jinping believes, and his favorite phrase is, the East is rising and the West is declining. And he also has believed that the United States is in terminal decline. So you put those two things together, and it means that Xi Jinping believes he can do things and get away with them. And this is very much the mentality that Adolf Hitler had. Um, you know, Hitler remilitarized the Rhineland. He absorbed Austria. He entered into the 1938 Munich Treaty and then violated it. And so he then thought he could invade Poland without um, consequence. But you know, this is this is the mentality that Xi Jinping has right now. And the problem with Biden administration policy, and it's not just Biden. This is consistent with most American foreign policy going back 50 years, is that we believe that we can try to integrate China into the international system. We do that. We sort of ignore bad and provocative Chinese behavior. And that just encourages the worst elements in the Chinese political system. So we have a dynamic right now that is in very much um, parallel with what Britain and France were trying to do with the Third Reich. And that diplomacy failed. And American diplomacy right now is failing. The only difference, of course, is that we now have nuclear weapons. And I can say that it's unlikely that any conflict with China is going to stay conventional. So we got to be prepared for worst outcomes. I mean, worst outcomes.
1: And, and these, uh, these drones now that China is going to be giving Russia, Russia to receive military drones from China as World War III fears escalate. That's a story from, the, from uh, one of the newspapers I saw today uh, copycat drones as supplies are running low and you, and you made the point earlier, Gordon Chang, that, I mean, they've been giving them this for a while. This is really nothing new here, but I guess it's just now we're, we're, we're getting the attention, uh, value for it. We're, we're understanding a little bit more about what they're doing.
3: Yes. I mean, there is the reporting, which, um, I think is confirmed that China sold drones to the Wagner group, um, well before this reporting, but -hmm. also we got to remember, and this goes back even earlier Ukraine has been operating Chinese-made drones, um, which they bought. And um, uh, China knew the location of the Ukrainian drone operators. They fed that uh, location data to Russia, and Russia used it to take out the Ukrainians. So that's lethal assistance as well. And that goes back to the first weeks of the war. So we have a China that has, com- that has consistently and continually supplied lethal um, uh, assistance to Russia. And we keep on warning the Chinese not to do it. They continue to do it. And so they think that our warnings are hollow. And to a certain extent, up to now, they're right. But at some point, the Biden administration is going to have to impose severe sanctions on China.
1: And the last thing I want to ask you, Gordon, while I have you, and it's, I'm grateful to have you, what do you make of China buying up all this land in the United States of America? And I know it's it's been a concern. To, a number of governors have spoken out about it. There's been some efforts now to try to limit it happening. I mean, is this something we should be worried about? We should
3: absolutely be worried about it. And more than worrying about it, we should prohibit it, and we should be taking away land that uh, Chinese parties have already bought. There are a lot of different motives, Rich. One of them is espionage, as we know from the purchase near Grand Forks Air Force Base and the purchase near Laughlin Air Force Base in Texas. We know that Chinese parties are using land in Oklahoma for illegal marijuana crows. In November, there was the gangland killing of four Chinese nationals on a plot of land. Um, There's been all sorts of funny stories, and there have been um, just stories we can't explain. Um, There are reports that, for instance, in Oklahoma, which is ground zero for Chinese purchases of land, um they're basically uh, Chinese gangs uh, basing human trafficking operations on agricultural land, and this seems credible because people in Oklahoma report that uh, the Chinese are building fences on their property to keep people in, not mm-hmm. out. You know a lot of people in Oklahoma have fences to keep people out Chinese are using them to keep people in.
1: And we know that they spy here in the United States of America. We've had these police stations, these Chinese police substations that have been popping up, too, right?
3: Yes. And fortunately, the one in New York, the one that's gotten so much attention, appears to have been closed. But the story here for Americans is why do we think the Chinese felt so bold that they could violate our sovereignty openly Mm -hmm. by opening up a police station? And the answer is we've got a number of presidents whose last names happen to be Obama, Trump and Biden who allowed uh, Chinese Ministry of State Security agents and Chinese um, um, consular officials to violate our sovereignty. And and we probably could add uh, Bush-Clinton and Bush to that list as well. But the point is we Americans allowed this to occur, so the Chinese naturally thought that they could get away with even more. This is our country, Rich. We need to put a stop
1: to this. Gordon Chang, The Coming Collapse of China. Check out that book. It's a great one. Follow him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. Thank you, my friend. Keep up the great work.
3: Thank you so much, Rich. I really appreciate it.
1: I really appreciate it, too. And we'll be right back. The show not afraid to call out both sides of the
0: aisle. He's
3: the other side's worst nightmare.
0: This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
1: So Zelensky, I was just speaking a short time ago, and he said it is dangerous for Americans to question the amount of aid being given to Ukraine because if Ukraine loses, Russia is going to enter Baltic states, NATO member states, and the U.S. will have to send their sons and daughters to war, and they will be dying. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard is going to join me on the show uh, a little bit after two o'clock today, so I want to get her opinion on this, and then I'm going to ask you to also weigh in as well here in Fox Cross America without Jimmy. But with Jimmy, in spirit, and also because he came on the show earlier. Huge get by me to get Jimmy to come on his own show. But obviously, he's filling in tonight. He's hosting Gutfeld, which is great, and I'm really excited for him. And this is, I feel like, when somebody goes on vacation and you get a T-shirt. You know what I mean? That's all you got. It's like, oh, you guys went to Italy, and I got this T-shirt of the found in Florence, and that's it. But that's what it feels like as a consolation prize. I got to host his show today. I mean, he could have invited me on Gutfeld with him. I'm just I'm just saying. But he didn't. But that's okay. It's all right. I'm proud of him. I'm happy for him. And I'm happy to be here with you. And when he texted me yesterday and he said, hey, listen, I need you to fill in for me today on my show because I'm filling in for Gutfeld, I said, great. You know what I mean? I'm happy to do it. This is, this is the fail train and we're just along for the ride. But if he doesn't get me on TV soon, I will kill him in his sleep. And I've told him that before, and he knows that. And obviously, you know, he'll appreciate that very, very, very much. Uh, it is me, Rich Zioli, with you. You can follow me on Twitter. At Rich Zioli. I host the Afternoon Drive show on WPHD in Philadelphia. Jimmy's show is heard in our station. We play it on Saturdays twice. So please tune in today if you like, and I will give you all the analysis of all the breaking news in the afternoon. What I've always found, too, is that the news keeps breaking in the day. I used to do Morning Drive, and then I didn't want to do that anymore for two reasons. Number one, I missed reacting to breaking news. And number two, I missed sleep. So then I decided to go back to afternoon drive where I was originally. And I'm enjoying it now because everything seems to happen in the middle of the day, especially with this president. Because like, when Trump was president, he would start tweeting at 2 a.m. So you'd get on the air at 6 a.m. and you'd have all this stuff to talk about because he was up tweeting all night. But Biden, of course, goes to bed at 5 o'clock and he takes a nap. And then, you know, so I mean, everything really happens in a short window of time because that's really the only time Biden has until. The Jell-O and the early bird special and then the nap and then, you know, good night. And we see that all the time. But I'll tell you, it's uh, always interesting to look at all the developments of the day as they come out and then the reaction to this. And then I think about it, too. When we talk about 2024, which is right around the corner, 2024, the issue of China, I think, is going to be front and center on everything. I really do. It's going to be front and center And I think what Gordon Chang talked to us about is very prophetic in terms of what's next and how we have abdicated our responsibility to stand up to China. For example, most favored nation status. That's something Bill Clinton gave them a long time ago. And that was a huge mistake. Huge mistake. No question about it. And we continue to get bullied around by them. The intellectual property theft, COVID. I mean, look, I think you'd have to be crazy at this point to think COVID came from a wet market. I've been saying since January of 20, I'm sorry, March of 2020, this virus came from a lab. Didn't come from an undercooked bat burger with a side of pangolin fries. This thing came from the laboratory. And to this day, we've never, ever been inside the Wuhan Institute of Virology to look around. We have no idea what else they could be making now. But I remember talking to Gordon Chang about this during COVID. He came on my show in Philly, and I remember asking him about that. And he said, Rich, look, they went to the U.N., and they, they told the world what they were doing. They were trying to make DNA-specific weaponized viruses. And a big part of that really is India, because the conflict between India and Russia also looms. Two nuclear powers, border countries that hate each other's guts. And you know a lot of people wonder if COVID was originally a military experiment gone awry. Or maybe it was done intentionally because they wanted to hurt Trump's re-election chances. I mean, if anybody was tough on China, it was Trump, by standing up to them economically. Didn't go far enough. I think he acknowledges that as well. But certainly, if you could make an argument that China was trying to unleash a weaponized virus on the world because it would hurt the United States of America, you certainly would not be alone in your thinking of that. All right, it's Fox Across America. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for Jimmy. We got a lot more to come. Tulsi Gabbard's coming up later. Don't go away. I love this song. Makes me excited for summer. I'm actually going to a yacht rock thing tonight in Philly, <laughs> and I guess I guess people are dressing up. I have no interest in dressing up, but if I did, I would definitely look like the Judge from Caddyshack. No question about it. Rock the blue blazer, the white pants, captain's hat. Obviously, done deal. But I'm probably not going to go down that road because I got to be on the radio at seven o'clock tonight. So to you go from that and then changing my captain's outfit, I just don't know if there'll be enough time. This is Fox Across America. Jimmy is hosting Gutfeld tonight. We're fired up for him. And it's me, Rich Zioli, with you today on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Uh, Jimmy and I are buds. Obviously, we've known each other for a couple of years. I filled in for him before. And so it's a real honor to be here with you today as we get ready for his big hosting night tonight, hosting for Gutfeld. So that's going to be great. i tell you, <laughs> this is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. So this guy, Greg Price on Twitter, he's hysterical. He he really helps by finding clips, audio clips of things. And I know I use him a lot on my show because he winds up just unearthing great audio for things. Well, he tweeted out something yesterday, and it was a clip of Corrine Jean-Pierre. And Corrine Jean-Pierre was going on about Elaine Chao, who was the head of the Department of Transportation. And her point was... She was the head of the Department of Transportation, and when she was there, these types of chemical spills happened all the time, and nobody was calling for her to be fired. That was, that was what she said yesterday. Well, for some reason, Greg Price yesterday of all days changed his Twitter handle from Greg Price 11 to Joe Biden showered with his daughter. Okay. But what's, what's, what even makes it funnier is the fact that this guy, Andrew Bates, 46 on Twitter, who is the White House deputy press secretary and senior communications advisor for strategic response. Tweeted that out. <laughs> I mean, this is, <laughs> this is like, you know, they say you make mistakes on social media. And I've been told over the years, many, many times, really think before you tweet. Just be careful before you tweet. So he works in the White House press office. He tweets out this video of Kareem Jean-Pierre defending Pete Buttigieg, and he puts in the caption, there's been a lot of bad faith attacks on Secretary Buttigieg. So his goal here, obviously, in tweeting this out, is to make everybody realize, like, look, little Pete in his construction cosplay outfit, he's getting a bad deal, all right? Other transportation secretaries, other people have had things happen on their watch, and you guys didn't give them a hard time about it. So that was the purpose in him tweeting out this video of Kareem Jean-Pierre explaining that. But the video he tweeted out was from Greg Price's account, and so the screenshot at the bottom, because it shows you on Twitter who whose video that is. You know who's the owner of that clip. So it could be you know CNN, it could be Fox News, it could be whoever, right? And if you retweet that with a what they call a quote, treat, uh, quote tweet at the top, so you add your own thoughts to it. But at the bottom it says that the video is from. Joe Biden showered with his daughter. <laughs> and I'm sorry, but I think it's the funniest thing in the world that this White House deputy press secretary <laughs> tweeted that out. And there, this video, he could have found anybody else who had that video. It's Kareem Jean-Pierre. It's White House press secretary. It's like 500,000 people that probably had this clip. But that's the one he tweeted out. So everybody was commenting on the fact of like, hey, man, <laughs> is this the is this the white house's government account offic- and it is officially <laughs> acknowledging that joe biden showered with his daughter because that just is a very that's a and not only that but that tweet because it's a government account is archived <laughs> i mean i can't it's like you cannot make this up you know if if you if you actually have a bad day and then you do something stupid on social media At least you can maybe delete it or something like that. But so Greg Price did a solid and changed his name back. But for an entire day, people were screenshotting that and saying that the White House deputy press secretary and senior communications advisor for the president was tweeting out a video from a guy named Joe Biden showers with his daughter. So but Greg Price did the right thing and changed it back. So it's now from Greg Price. And, you know, but not after everybody got a good laugh. So it's just a good reminder Maybe to check your tweets before you send them out, since it's very likely they're going to be censored anyway. You might as well at least check them. Only censored if you're a conservative. I should make that point very, very clear. I'll give you an example. You know, Dr. Marty Macari, and he's been on my show a bunch of times before. He tweeted this out before, and, and Congressman Tom Massey retweeted it, too. And that's this. Four facts that would have gotten you banned from social media a year ago. All right. The facts are still largely not tolerated on YouTube or Facebook. They are tolerated on Twitter now. And the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has yet to acknowledge any of them. So the original tweet from Dr. Marty McCurry over the last few weeks, meta analysis studies from highly respected researchers found that, number one, masks have no impact on epidemic trajectory. You remember the New York Times even wrote a piece about that. They wrote a whole big piece about that. And not even the N95 masks, they didn't do anything either. Two, natural immunity is greater than vaccine immunity. That study was done by The Lancet and was widely publicized by places like NBC News, for example, which at one point, if you had come out and said that, if you'd come out and you said natural immunity is just as good or better than the COVID shot, then you would have been silenced you know they would have said this was misinformation disinformation taking you down i mean something senator rand paul used to say all the time vaccine mandates did not increase vaccination rates that was a study that was done by the george mason university the mercatus center i actually spoke to one of their researchers yesterday on my show in philly about this and not only that not only did vaccine mandates in cities like Philadelphia, New York, San Francisco, Boston, Chicago, all the all the, you know, the, the gang of wacko lefty cities. Not only did they not change anything when it came to the amount of people that got covid, they had all these unintended consequences too. You know, businesses being shut down, restaurants, losing employees, restaurants, losing customers. It was and then people losing their jobs for not complying with the vaccine mandates. All those things happened. And so. When you point that stuff out now, people turn around and go, oh, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's right. And then this part, too, myocarditis, the inflammation of the heart, up 28 times after vaccines than if you have COVID. That's from a Hogue study. But as Dr. McCarty points out, tragically and inexplicably, the CDC still recommends masking all toddlers. The COVID vaccine for all healthy children who recovered from COVID, even though they have natural immunity— and is now proposing that a 12-year-old girl be given 65 COVID vaccine doses in her average lifespan. Now, you know, in California, they've decided the state is not going to mandate COVID vaccines for school. The state Supreme Court ruled that school districts may not impose mandates on their own either, which is a big win for kids and parents and science and common sense and and freedom. And this is because now what we're learning is kids don't react to COVID the same way that you know, elderly people do, kids don't have the same morbidity rates, kids don't have the same infection rates. And even if the kids get sick of COVID, it's like no big deal really for, for the overwhelming, it's statistically almost irrelevant. The number of children that have actually, and that's always been something else. Right. But when it comes to the side effects of so this, is is something that, you know, I've talked to Dr. Nicole Sapphire about a number of times, healthy kids though, with the myocarditis effects, with the vaccine is a real thing. So if your goal is to keep people safe, and if your goal is to keep people healthy, and if your goal is to not kill them, you have to follow the science, as they say. They've been telling us that for years, right? Follow the science. Well, when the science demonstrates a different outcome, and yet there are some people that refuse to then adjust to that outcome, are they not the very same people who for two years lectured us about following the science? Are they not the very people that are now not... Following the science, right? Of course. And I just I find that to be charming in a way because it exposes that it's really not about science as much as it's about authoritarianism. You know, we get to tell you what's best for you, you little peons. We decide what's best for you, and you all follow us or else. And in the case of social media companies, and this is not just COVID, but let's take the FBI for example the weaponization of the department of justice, the weaponization of government, you know, Tom Massey has this subcommittee now that they're looking into how the government used its authority to basically now get involved in politics, right? That's really the short answer to say it. So you have this unholy triad formed between the FBI, big tech, and the media. Let's take the Hunter Biden laptop story. It's a great example of that, right? So John Paul MacIsaac is this Guy in Delaware, Wilmington, Delaware, not far from where I broadcast from in Philly. He's got this computer repair shop. Hunter Biden comes in. 2019 drops off the laptop. Doesn't come back to get it. He looks at it. He finds all this stuff in there. It's very incriminating about Hunter Biden and also his dad vis-a-vis Ukraine, China, other other things, calls the FBI. The FBI comes, picks up the laptop. They they have it in their possession. Flash forward to October 2020. New York Post is about to run the story. The FBI knows they're going to run the story because they're spying on Rudy Giuliani at the time in a case that went nowhere. And then they set the stage for that laptop story to be Russian disinformation. Big tech goes along with it. The media goes along with it, too. They're more than happy to just parrot whatever they're told. NPR, I remember this, too. NPR at one point came out and said, we're not going to waste your time, even though that's all NPR does is waste your time. But we're not going to waste your time with something that isn't really a story. So they refused to write about it. And what we're finding out now, of course, is not only was this level of suppression on social media so rampant, but the way that the government was colluding with big tech and the media and this unholy triad here was not just, I mean, it's, I think, bigger than we ever imagined. It's COVID. It's Hunter Biden. But it's also other things, too. And then they did something in reverse, which is that they got everybody to believe that Russian bots were everywhere and the Russians were taking over everything and the Russians were at fault and the Russians this and the Russians that. So the minute that there was something negative that was written about a Democrat somewhere, immediately the media would just go, oh, it's Russian, Russian disinformation, Russian propaganda. I mean, take the Politico story about 51 former national intelligence officials all come out to say that the Hunter Biden story has all the classic earmarks of Russian disinformation. Now they're all trying to walk it back. You know, this guy, uh, Clapper, is on the other day, and he's like, listen, I never said it was Russian disinformation. I just said it looks a whole lot like Russian disinformation, okay? That's totally different. But But nobody in the media bothered to actually do any investigative journalism of their own. Once Miranda Devine wrote that piece in the New York Post, they had their marching orders, and they were just happy to do it. You know, and I think you see a lot of those parallels now with reporting on Russia-Ukraine. It's like if you come out and you question the massive amounts of funding for Ukraine, another two billion dollars that we announced today. If you question that, immediately you are the comparisons are drawn to pro-Russian propaganda. You know, you're rooting for Putin and you want Russia to win. But actually, do you not have legitimate questions around what the end game is here, what the big plan is, how far this goes? Are we there forever? Do we spend like $52 gajillion if that's what it takes? I mean, these are all legitimate questions that people are asking. But the minute that those, they're asked, it's just they do the same thing. They shut down the conversation and go, oh, you must be rooting for Putin. It's like, no, but I don't know if we have $52 gajillion to use here. So I'd like to just understand how far this goes. It's a legitimate question. So there's a lot about this collusion between big tech, our government, and the media And that's why, hey, talk radio like Fox Across America is so important. And it's me, Rich, in for Jimmy, and we got a lot more to come. Tulsi Gabbard's going to be here next hour. Your thoughts, too, on the funding for the war in Ukraine, where it goes. Don't go away.
0: It's the show that never hits the books.
2: I love the poorly educated.
0: You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
1: So I wonder if Joe Biden's going to run again for president. What do you think? Politico had this story. Biden may not run and top Dems are quietly preparing. You know, if I was if I was a Democrat governor of, say, California or New Jersey or Michigan, or, I would absolutely be working on running for president right now. There's no question in my mind about that. And I think that those guys are. I really do. I think Gavin Newsom in California, Phil Murphy in New Jersey, Gretchen Whitmer, in Michigan, I think they're all they are all, they're all getting ready to run. That's why I think Pete Buttigieg not going to East Palestine was just so perplexing because he's also on the short list here to run for president. And here was his opportunity to grandstand for the cameras weeks ago, and he didn't do it. I mean, it was really only until there was so much immense pressure that Pete put on the highway outfit and went there. That's it. I mean, up until then, he wasn't going. And I still can't understand that. But it's also very obvious, too. They don't want and they absolutely don't want Kamala Harris. I mean, there's no question about that. Did you see the Washington Post hit piece on her and the New York Times hit piece where everybody was saying how they don't think that Kamala Harris can run? They don't think Kamala Harris can win. That's all for a reason. You know, the Democrat power brokers are setting the table so that if Joe Biden does not run again for president, well, then they can make sure that they have anybody but Kamala. And a big part of this is because Biden's people still hates her. They still hate her from that time that she savaged him on that debate stage years ago in the Democrat primary for president. You remember that, Joe, I was that little girl and basically paying him as a racist and a segregationist for opposing busting in Wilmington. Well, they, they've never forgiven her, but they don't want. But you see, you can't have her run for president. And they know this because she says things like this and it, it doesn't really make much sense. Uh, cut 24. Every day,
6: Joe Biden and I talk about and work together with our partners, like former leader Hoyer, current leader Hoyer, um, to lower the cost for the people of our nation, because you are a leader. For working families, we have reduced heating and electricity bills. So folks have more money in their pocket to buy things like school supplies, replace the dishwasher, or take a family vacation.
1: Take a family vacation, or buy school supplies. It seems like that those are some very. If you're going to put side by side comparisons, it seems like those are some very expensive school supplies, or, or a very very inexpensive family vacation. I don't know. How have they actually reduced heating and electricity bills for families? Have you felt that yourself? Because I haven't felt that. I have not felt that myself. In fact, in our home, what we deal with, like you, is inflation, soaring prices on everything. But hey, we're very lucky. We're very fortunate as the Babylon Bee put it, families struggling to get by during Biden's economy and inflation all sits around the table to pray and get very excited about the fact that we now have the most diverse cabinet in American history. So there, there you go, the most diverse administration. So the family that can't afford groceries is comforted by that fact, that they have checked all the boxes and they have all the diversity met in the administration, okay? That must make you feel very good. But when it comes to 2024... And looking back now on Pete Buttigieg's just disgraceful handling of this entire thing, he might have already knocked himself out of the running. He really did. He had his moment. He had his chance. And yesterday, him in the hat, the helmet, and the goggles and the vest looked very much like his Mike Dukakis tank moment. It really did. To me, anyway, it did. But I think after this, he's done. I do. I think he's done. He even acknowledged he should have spoken out sooner. He even had to acknowledge he went on the Today Show— and, yeah, I mean, can't hide from this. Cut number two.
2: I felt strongly about this and uh, could have expressed that sooner. Again, I was taking pains to respect the, the role that I have and the role that I don't have, but that should not have stopped me from weighing in about how I felt about what was happening to this community. And
1: probably should have weighed in, huh? Maybe you blew it. Maybe you missed your chance. If you were going to be on the shortlist for president of the United States, the Democrat frontrunner, gone. No more. And a lot of people think that that Washington Post article and that New York Times article, that those were actually hit pieces from Buttigieg's people and that the media was rooting for him. But I think after this, it's over, Petey. It's over. We got a big hour coming up on Fox Cross America. Tulsi Gabbard will join me. It's Rich in for Jimmy. Don't go away.
0: Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
1: Hey, hey, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, but Jimmy is not here. He's filling in for Gutfeld tonight. He's hosting the show. So make sure you tune in tonight. It's me, Rich Zioli from WPHD in Philadelphia, with you. Fired up for Jimmy tonight? And fire it up for my next guest here in Fox Cross America, the one and only Tulsi Gabbard, who was on my show in Philly just a few days ago. This is like a dream come true for me. I get to talk to you twice in one week.
4: I know, Rich. I was happy to hear. I got a note this morning saying, hey, we've got a guest host in for for Jimmy. Uh, I heard it was you, and I was glad. So It's great to hear your voice again.
1: Well, thanks for coming on the show today. I know Jimmy talked to you last night. You were in East Palestine. Are you still there?
4: No, actually, uh, I left last night. Um, I was so glad to be able to talk to jimmy though and and really just share and express gosh the, the incredible frustrations and um, and anger that that people there feel about how they have just been so so left behind and uh, and mistreated by the Biden administration.
1: Yeah, they have. And you did a great job of covering that. And and it's just so disgraceful the way that our our government is not there for us. And you raised a couple of great examples of that last night, Tulsi. And obviously, right now, what we're talking about is the question of, should we be spending all this money in Ukraine? How much do we spend? Where does it go? Where does it end? And what are the needs of the American people? And right now, I guess we've just announced we're going to spend another $2 billion in Ukraine. Is that right?
4: Every day, that number keeps going up. That's right, and and this is this is something, Jimmy. uh, uh, Sorry, not Jimmy. Rich. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Something, Rich. Rich. um, You know, I know you've been you've been talking about this issue for a while, as have I. Um, This is something that I heard. You know, I was walking down Market Street, which is the main street through town there in East Palestine, Ohio, and and it's it's the thing that came up uh, from folks who live there is. You know, they're being told, hey, we, you know, you get a thousand dollar inconvenience fee from Norfolk Southern. But they're thinking about the long term negative ramifications of this catastrophe on their health, on their community. The the value of their homes has, uh, is going to go way down. Their property taxes were assessed at values prior to this accident happening. and you know, there, there's a lot of poor folks who live in that community, so this is a very real thing, and, and it really angers them tremendously to see the Biden, President Biden choose to visit Ukraine instead of choosing to visit them, and then going and continuing to write these blank checks, spending our taxpayer dollars to pay for pensions. For people in Ukraine, to pay for schools and for people in Ukraine, and all of these things that would be great if we had an endless amount of money and, and we want to be kind and compassionate, but that's just not reality. That's not the world we live in. The world we live in is we live in a country with a trillions of dollars of debt and a tremendous need, both coming from people in places like East Palestine, Ohio and jackson mississippi and and other parts of the country that are really struggling, what to speak of the infrastructure needs the the needs of communities everywhere, and yet our taxpayer dollars are going to uh, to another country, as you said, to fund a proxy war against Russia that's undermining our own national security. And we have no accountability over how those dollars are being spent. You know, Rand Paul raised that that amendment to bring some accountability, and he was immediately shot down as a, a puppet for Putin. Uh, nor, and this is an important one, Rich, is we we the American people have not had a say in this proxy war against Russia. Our elected leaders have not had a vote to fulfill their constitutional responsibility to decide whether or not we're going to war with a country. So. There are so many levels of problems with this, and it points to, uh, yes, the failure of leadership of the Biden administration, but ultimately they don't care. They don't care. That's what's coming across consistently throughout all of this.
1: And, you know, Tulsi Gabbard, you just said something that's so important. You were a member of the House of Representatives. You are a member of Congress. And the last time I checked, Article 1 of the Constitution gives Congress the power to declare war, not the president of the United States. This is Joe Biden's war. I mean, he's decided this, and I don't know what the mechanism was to get us involved here. Ukraine's not a NATO country, so it wasn't as if the NATO treaty, which was ratified by the Senate a long time ago, was triggered. There really was no mechanism. Congress didn't vote on it. I didn't vote on it. You didn't vote on it. So it was just Joe Biden just decided this. And how long does it go until the legislative branch of government does its job and debates this and and tries to chart a course here?
4: This is a really fundamental question that we should all be demanding answers from, not only Joe Biden in the White House, but from our elected leaders in the House of Representatives and in the U.S. Senate. You know, when we go back and look at the statements that our founders made around why they... Uh, why they put those wa- the, the War Powers Clause in the Constitution was specifically to protect us, the American people in our country, against one individual in the White House single-handedly taking us into war. Uh, they specifically made it hard because it's a, such a serious decision. Now, though, there are also members of the House and Senate who carry responsibility for this as well, both because They are going along with every single thing and even uh, trying to encourage Biden to send more of our taxpayer dollars uh, to Ukraine. They are just as much a part of the problem as he is. And there are leaders in both the Republican and Democratic Party who are guilty of this, who have the blood of the Ukrainian people on their hands. But also you ask, when are our elected representatives going to take a stand on this and fulfill their constitutional responsibility? There's a lot of cowards in Washington, Rich, and they don't want to take that vote because it's something they will then be on the record for and held accountable for. And that's, that's a bigger problem here. We've seen it you know, throughout the various wars that we have been fighting or been involved with over decades, how, how our leaders are abdicating their constitutional responsibility, hiding from it because they don't want to be held to that record and held accountable for that very serious decision that is required of them in the job they've been hired to do.
1: And, Tulsi, you were called a Russian pawn. You you were called a Putin proxy, too, and I think that's a big fear a lot of people have in speaking out is they're afraid to do that. You served our country. You were a major in the Army. Did I get your rank correct?
4: I, I actually – I'm a lieutenant colonel uh, still serving, actually, in the Army Reserve as a civil affairs officer.
1: Lieutenant colonel still serving in, in the Hawaii National Guard, and they insulted you. They maligned you. They – had dared to suggest and accuse you of treason. I mean, that is just a horrible thing. Mitt Romney did that recently. Just an awful thing to do to somebody who serves, serves, actively serves our country, Tulsi Gabbard. And they see what they do to you, and I think they're afraid to speak out because to get that brush of a Putin sympathizer is such a bad brush to get. But it's done, and you know this, I mean, it's done, designed purposely to shut down debate.
4: That's right. That's right, Rich. And it's funny you mentioned Mitt Romney. I'm actually in his home state of Utah today, uh, very grateful and proud to be joining uh, soldiers from Utah and, and other states uh, at the 19th Special Forces Group for an annual kind of family gathering they're doing today. Uh, and it's, it's, I'm just so grateful to be able to serve alongside these these tremendous patriots. And And that's what makes me so angry about people like Mitt Romney and Hillary Clinton and others who do, as you say, intentionally smear, uh, malign, uh, name call, all of these things with, with the expressed intent of both scaring others, whether they be fellow soldiers and veterans like myself or fellow Americans, scare people into silence. Don't you dare ask a question. Don't you dare challenge the war machine, or else you, too, will get the same treatment that that you that they have given to me to tulsi gabbard regardless of the fact that you know a lot of this happened while i was in congress while i served on the armed services committee you know having access to you know a lot of classified information and while i'm serving in uniform i mean the list goes on and on the the insanity of their accusations and the lack of any credibility whatsoever is off the charts but as you said the damage is done you know there are people who believe what they say they hear one line and they believe it or a seed of doubt is planted in their mind so that when I when I speak out and I say, hey, going to war against Russia that could result in a nuclear war that ends life on this world as we know it, that's not a good idea. That's not a war we should be waging. This is not serving our best interest. Just having the audacity to speak up for the security, safety, and freedom of the American people results in the kind of backlash we see from leaders in the war machine in both party and the mainstream media. So it's no wonder people are afraid to speak out. I, I encourage people, though, to stand strong in the face of that, uh, that fear because we outnumber them. Those of us who love our country, who love freedom, and who want to see peace and prosperity in this country, uh, we outnumber them. Our voices are stronger than we have to use. We have to use them.
1: Yeah, bravo. Exactly what you just said. I think that's so right. And you inspire people, too. And that's the thing about you, Tulsi. You inspire people to challenge this status quo. You are a great voice to have. And that's why I'm glad you're a Fox News contributor. And I'm I'm glad that you came on the show today. And I'm glad you make time for me as well in Philadelphia because... You bring another voice to the table, and the fact that you were at one time, and I know you're not anymore, you were a member of the Democrat Party, says a lot because, you know, as I look at it right now, and you've made this point, I think to Tucker the other night, there are warmongers in both parties. But it seems like right now in particular, this Democrat Party right now is all in. They're all in on war. They are. And there's no dissent from them.
4: They are. And, and Rich, thank you, for first of all, for your your very kind words, and I'm grateful that you invited me to join you today because these are really – obviously these are things I really care about, but these are things that are important to us all. And the distinction that you made is an important one to make. Yes, we have warmongers in both political parties, but the Democratic Party has gone so far off the deep end that – I don't know if you remember a few months ago – Uh, I think towards the end of last year, there was a small group of Democrats in Congress who call themselves progressives, who wrote a letter to Joe Biden saying, hey, you know, we think you're great, and all these flowery, flowery words. But then they said, we strongly recommend that you pursue peaceful negotiations to bring about an end to this war that is ravaging the people of Ukraine, and that could end up resulting in a nuclear war. I'm paraphrasing, but that was their message. That letter was not released more than 24 hours before the backlash from Democrats, leaders, and the Biden administration was so hard that these members of Congress who claimed to stand for peace retracted the letter and said, oh, it was sent out by accident. And it's like, Brit, you and I know that's BS. Their signatures were on the page, but they were kowtowed into silence. And, and made some nonsensical statement about, oh, well, we still believe in peaceful negotiations, but those can only begin once Russia loses the war. And I don't know how you can be a logical thinking adult and think that you negotiate for peace once somebody loses the war. It's just it's, it's not how it works. Uh, but it shows you that no dissent is allowed in a Democratic Party, no questions, no challenging Whereas you look at the Republican party, there's a and then this gives me some hope, Rich, is there are a growing number of members of Congress who are Republicans uh, we've seen more elected in the last election who are challenging uh the war machine, who have the courage to stand up and say, "This is not America first. This is not putting the interests of the American people and our future and and our ability to have a prosperous society. That's this is not in our interest and it needs to end. So it gives me some hope. The numbers are not big enough to stop the Biden administration, but the numbers are growing. And, and that's 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 that, that should be cause for hope for all of us.
1: All right. And since my sister-in-law lives in Maui, I'll try my Hawaiian and say mahalo for coming on the show. Well done. Today.
4: Well done. <laughs> <laughs> mahalo for having me and, and much aloha to you, Rich. It's great to talk to you.
1: Aloha, Tulsi Gabbard. Thank you so much, my friend. Have a great weekend. And we'll be right back here on Fox Across America. Don't go away.
0: You're listening to the most addictive show on the radio.
1: This is crack,
0: rock cocaine. It isn't glamorous or cool or kid stuff. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
1: So we're getting ready. We're getting excited for Jimmy Fallon's big time tonight, hosting Gutfeld. So make sure you tune in tonight, 11 p.m. Guy Benson will also be on the panel, another Fox News radio host. So, yeah, tune in. 11 o'clock tonight. We're fired up. And I will be back on the radio in a matter of, I guess, 35 minutes when I host my show in Philadelphia today. It's me, Rich Zioli, with you this afternoon here on Fox Across America you can follow me on Twitter, at Rich So the United States is also slapping new sanctions on Russia and raising tariffs. We are committing $2 billion, additional $2 billion, in drones, ammunition, and aid to Ukraine. And there's another question, too, which is, will they actually ever get the tanks that we told them that we were giving them as well? But, you know, I, Zelensky was just speaking, and a couple of comments that he made really just kind of irked me in the sense of saying that if, you know, if you question this money— then you're basically your sons and daughters are going to be fighting Russia at some point in a war. And I just have a problem with that because I think that's always the game that's played, isn't it? You know, if you question us, it's going to lead to war. You question us, you're all going to die. It's kind of like the same thing that the national security state does all the time, right? If you don't let us spy on you, you're all going to be killed by terrorists. And they they do this. They play this game constantly. And I don't know. It's just it's a little bit disingenuous. I mean, it's very disingenuous, to say the least. But if you look at this tweet that Glenn Greenwald sent out earlier today, um, very apropos, and the New York Times actually did a they even had to admit this too. They even had to admit that the United States has not done what it said it was going to do, which is to isolate Russia. And I'll share this with you and thanks to my friend Laura for sending this my way. Glenn Greenwald tweet and I and I think Glenn Greenwald's great. You know, he's one of the leading voices out there, and he's for years, has been on the left, but the problem though is that the left doesn't exist anymore. You know, liberals today are not really liberals. Their status is really what they are. They're authoritarian status. They're pro-big government. They're pro-war. They don't. They're not pro-body autonomy. They're the ones coming out all the time, mandate mandating shots and things like that. But he said today, from the start of the war in Ukraine, the U.S. media continuously claimed the international community is united behind the United States. That phrase always means, of course, Western Europe and whatever countries happen to side with the United States. But the New York Times today wrote a story. The West tried to isolate Russia. It didn't work. After Russia invaded Ukraine, the West formed what looked like an overwhelming global coalition. 141 countries supported a United Nations measure demanding that Russia unconditionally withdraw. Russia seemed isolated. North Korea was one of only four countries that backed Russia and rejected the measure. But the West never won over as much of the world as it initially seemed. Another 47 countries abstained or missed the vote, including India and China. Many of those neutral nations have since, since provided crucial economic or diplomatic support for Russia. And even some of the nations that initially agreed to denounce Russia now see the war as somebody else's problem and have since started moving towards a more neutral position. A year on, it's becoming clearer, they write. While the West core coalition remains remarkably solid, it never convinced the rest of the world to isolate Russia. Instead of cleaving in two, the world has fragmented. A vast middle sees Russia's invasion as primarily... A European and American problem rather than view it as an existential threat to the whole world. These countries are largely focused on protecting their own interests amid the economic and geopolitical upheaval caused by the invasion. The the reality is that if if you are looking at this from the perspective of thinking that we have done our job of isolating Russia and there's no retreat for them, that's just simply not the case. That's just not the case. And that's the problem, too, is because now with China coming to Russia's aid, Russia's taking advantage, advantage of this in a number of different ways, including by getting money from a lot of those other countries. All right, we got a lot more to talk about here on Fox Across America. It's me, Rich, in for Jimmy. We're just getting warmed up. Don't go away. All right, it's Fox Cross America, and Jimmy is hosting Gutfeld tonight. Very excited for him, so make sure you tune in tonight at 11 o'clock on Fox News Channel. Of course, he's got a great lineup. It's going to be a blast, and we're proud of him. It's me, Rich Zioli, with you today. I'm the Afternoon Drive host on WPHD in Philadelphia. And Jimmy was actually on the show earlier today, which was great for him to be a guest on his own show. And we had a good time chatting about it. But no, I'm really proud of him. I mean, look, this is a guy who started as a cab driver, got discovered, became a writer for Kennedy, got the radio show, got his uh, foray into television, and he's just been killing it ever since. And I joke with him, too, all the time. I always say it's amazing to me, but he's on every show at every time. Like, he, like he, he, it's like almost like the multiverse. Jimmy is always on Fox News at some point. At some point of the day, you turn it on, he's there. Whether it's Fox and Friends in the morning or it's all the way up at night on Gutfeld. And then everywhere in between, every show in between, he's there, too. So I'm very proud of him. But, of course, he loves being on the radio with you every day from 12 to 3. So he'll be back on Monday. But he had a, they had a tape a little early today. For Gutfeld, because obviously, number one, they're terrified of Jimmy guest hosting. And number two, because if somebody does drop the F-bomb or something like that, they have to edit it out. So that's why he's not here with you today, but he will be back on Monday. I am on Twitter, if you'd like to follow me along, at Rich Zioli, R-S-C-H-Z-E-O-L-I. Feel free to come on board and say hello. I got to give Ben Stiller some credit. Ben Stiller. you Remember the movie Tropic Thunder that was made years ago, 2008? Very funny movie. Well, Ben Stiller hit back at the woke cancel culture mob and said he makes no apologies for his 2008 comedy, Tropic Thunder, and disputed a tweet alleging he had previously apologized for the film. I'm glad because obviously in this day and age of cancel culture, in this day and age of woke, and this day and age of everybody having to apologize for everything, and that's why like, I'm glad that Roseanne has her comedy special because I think it's good. You have to push back on this stuff. You have to push back on this. Tropic Thunder's a comedy. It's a very funny comedy. But even if it wasn't funny, then apologize for that. Apologi- the only time you should ever apologize in comedy, in my opinion, is if it's not funny. That's it. Otherwise, there should be no apologies. Really, no apologies. Tropic Thunder's a movie you don't apologize for. The 57-year-old actor, comedian, filmmaker tweeted on Tuesday to his 5.6 million followers... That he did not apologize for the movie and made calls to have the film canceled and removed from streaming platforms, according to the New York Post. Why do these woke snowflake crybabies have to ruin everything for everybody? They'll never be happy until they get things removed and banned because somebody somewhere might be offended. The person on Twitter said, Ben Stiller, please stop apologizing for doing this movie. It was and still is funny AF. You know what that means, right? Even funnier now with cancel culture the way it is. It's a movie. Y'all can just get over it. I was dying laughing when I first saw it back in the day, and so was everyone else. The post included a screenshot of another post that talked about how liberals are trying to cancel culture the movie. When the Wayans brothers made white chicks, nobody said a dang thing. Stop apologizing for this stuff. Stiller replied, I make no apologies for Tropic Thunder. Don't know who told you that it's always been a controversial movie since we opened proud of it and the work everyone did on it. Good for him. Actor Robert Downey Jr. Plays Kirk Lazarus, (laughs) a method actor who darkens his skin to play a black soldier during the Iron Man stars appearance in 2020 on the Joe Rogan experience podcast. Downey said the film showed how wrong blackface is. He said at the time to Joe Rogan, he said, quote, I think that it's never an excuse to do something. It's out of place and out of its time. But to me, it blasted the cap on the issue. I think having a moral psychology is job number one. Sometimes you just got to go. Yeah, I effed up in my defense. Tropic Thunder is about how wrong blackface is. So I take exception. Now, you know, you think about the the number of woke lefties who have not been canceled for putting blackface on, for example, like Jimmy Kimmel, Howard Stern, all these other people who they they seemingly don't get in trouble for any of this. Do You notice that. But I'm glad Ben Stiller has said no, like no. And actually, he was boycotted 10 years ago when it came out. So this is the little twist in this. In 2018, Stiller stood by Olympic gold medalist Sean White after he dresses a disabled character in the film. Named Simple Jack for his Halloween costume. Actually, Tropic Thunder was boycotted 10 years ago when it came out. And I apologize then. It was always meant to make fun of actors trying to do anything to win awards. I stand by my apology. The movie, Sean White, and the great people and work of the Special Olympics. So that's what he was apologizing for. He wasn't apologizing for the Tropic Thunder movie. He said it's part of the action comedy experience. And, you know, if you don't like it, don't watch it. If you don't find it funny, then don't look at it. It's not that hard, right? It's really not. You just have to make your choices in life. But it, it kind of goes along with the raw, dull stuff that I talked about earlier. You know, trying to re-edit these books or edit these books to try to make them more politically correct. And it just becomes stupid. And the only way you can stand up to this stuff is if you just stop apologizing. That's Look, that's why Gutfeld works. I mean, the reason why Greg Gutfeld's show is killing it at 11 o'clock at night with over two million people tuning in and beating Kimmel and beating Fallon and beating all these other people is, the show's not woke. And, and they don't lecture everybody. You know, there's this thing with these comedians nowadays, and I don't know who made them MSNBC talk show hosts, but there is a thing now with these people where they come out and they spend that crucial time when I think you're, America's trying to lighten up and go to bed, and they take a, a, a hot poker and they jab it in your eye before you go to bed. And these they're, they're not comedians. I mean, they're activists is what they are. They're activists. Stephen Colbert, for example, that guy should have a show on MSNBC. There's really no difference other than the fact that he he has the mantle of late-night comedy. But it's comedy for a very specific group of people, people that hate Trump, people that hate America, people that hate you, people that hate me. And unfortunately for them, since they're all in this game— they have to divide up that audience. And then so, I mean, Fox News got smart and said, Greg Gutfeld's funny. Let's put him on a show at 11 o'clock and get other funny people on with him, like Cat Timph and Tyrus. And you know, we'll make a funny show, and then we'll give an option to people. Because I had stopped watching those late-night shows. And again, I wasn't boycotting them. I wasn't trying to get them canceled. When I don't like something, I just don't watch it. It's not that complicated. I just don't watch but I gave up on those shows. They stopped entertaining me. They stopped being funny. They, they felt like a lecture. They felt designed to advance a political, very lefty political agenda. I think that was obvious. And so I stopped watching, and I'm sure you probably stopped watching too. But you'll tune into Gutfeld. You'll do that because you want to laugh and you want to enjoy yourself and you want to have a good time. But they won't learn, though. That's the thing. They're not going to learn anytime soon because for them it's like the Don Lemon thing. For them, have they think you're they're smarter than you and they use that time to belittle and push an agenda, not to entertain you because they don't think you deserve to be entertained. They really don't. They don't think you deserve to be entertained. I mean think of how many jokes there there are to be made about Hunter Biden's artwork. Just that alone, just that alone should should make you laugh. Republican lawmakers are vowing to unmask Hunter Biden Art buyers. We will receive the evidence. You could have more fun with that. You could have more fun with Pete in his little cosplay outfit with his helmet and his glasses and his little vest, like looking like my eight year old son playing highway patrol man. But but they don't touch that stuff. Maybe they're afraid to touch that stuff. But now that the House Oversight Committee has vowed to reveal the identities of the mysterious buyers of Hunter Biden's art, one day after the first son missed a deadline to provide the records about his overseas business interests, Biden's failure to meet the committee's Wednesday 12 p.m. deadline to produce financial documents and other records dating back to January 2009 mirrors his art dealer's refusal to provide the panel with the names of his clients. Now, let me ask you an honest question. I don't know if you're an art person. But would you pay a half a million dollars for some former crackhead to spit through a straw and have that art land on something and the paint land on something and then call that art? There are people that are artists and they work very hard, but they're not making their first go around a half a million dollars on what is at best just okay art, I guess. No, no, you're buying this because it's Hunter Biden and you're buying this because you want access to something that Hunter Biden can offer you. Let's face it. Everything about exposing the Bidens that the House Oversight Committee is doing right now is all about finding this connection between Hunter and his dad and Hunter and his uncle and Ukraine and China and everything else. It's just like how when the Penn Biden Center opened at the University of Pennsylvania, shocking, I know, millions of dollars of donations started pouring in from China. The same thing happened in Delaware, too, when they had the Biden president, you know, senatorial records there, too. Same thing. People want access. In politics, access is everything. And Representative Jim Comer, the chairman of the committee, he raised a a lot of concerns earlier this month about Hunter Biden and says that he wants to know who who the clients are that have purchased Biden's work. Needs need to understand that because you got to find out if there's any quid pro quos, you know, somebody who would spend, say, half a million dollars in the art because maybe they would like a meeting with somebody. If the White House was not aware of these buyers, it would seem impossible for the administration to grant the buyers any favors based on the purchases, says the art gallery. All right. Well, then what's the problem then with complying with the committee's request to release the names of the art buyers? They've said they'll keep it controversial. Are these art buyers so embarrassed by buying Hunter Biden's crappy artwork? Is that really what it comes down to? It's like, you know, you all make that that impulse buy and you regret it and you go, oh, man, like I'm stuck with this now. But presumably it's a work of art that they're going to be displaying somewhere. Their home, their office, somewhere. So, yeah, if they're embarrassed about having – paid money for his crappy artwork. I could understand that. But as Representative Lisa McClain of Michigan told Fox News Digital, Hunter Biden's artwork isn't worthy of hanging on the walls of a foreclosed motel. So why would anyone buy it? The answer is simple. To curry favor with the corrupt son of the president. We need to know who purchased Hunter's so-called art. And the refusal to provide the information to Congress only adds fuel to the fire for our investigation. Yeah, you think? I think it's in incumbent upon this committee to get to the bottom of all of Biden's deals. But one of the things that I noted in that, in that political article the other day that came out and said Joe Biden may not be running and Democrats are starting to gear up, something very telling was in there. And they said that one of the reasons may be the increased scrutiny of the investigations of Hunter Biden. See, I don't think it's an accident that all these classified documents were found when they were. I don't think these things are coincidences. I don't really believe in coincidences. I think that these documents were found because the federales who are investigating Hunter Biden in Wilmington, in Delaware, the special counsel, who's the, I'm sorry, the United States attorney, I think they were looking for things. And that's where – that's why they found these classified documents. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. They're just sitting there not bothering anybody, and then someday they're discovered – but that article is very telling in the sense that if the Hunter Biden investigation heats up, it may be the reason why Joe Biden doesn't run for president, which then also makes sense why Joe Biden decided to be in Kiev instead of Ohio, which is a must-win presidential state with Pennsylvania right on the border. Remember, he's Scranton Joe, lived in Scranton, PA, till he was eight. So you would think, since this affected Pennsylvania, too, he'd want to be right there, right, in East Palestine, helping everybody. Nope. He doesn't run for re-election, so he decides that this is going to be about his legacy. What's the legacy? Stopping Russia's assault in Ukraine at any price, without any vote, without any end in sight. And if he announces he's not running for president, he gets to play uh, war chief the entire time. Think about it. He gets to do whatever he wants because apparently we're not going to rein him in. And his legacy can be this war. And I think that that's exactly how this is playing out right now. And the scary part is it's going to cost us a lot. It really is. It's going to cost us a lot. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy's getting ready to host Gutfeld tonight, and we'll be right back.
0: Tackling issues of the day in an easy way. He's all man. He's a big, strong-looking guy. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
1: so tonight is the night. Your buddy, your radio pal, Jimmy Fela, is hosting Gutfeld tonight, 11 p.m. Now, if you want to hear Jimmy later on my show, you can listen on the Odyssey app. I will be hosting 3 to 7 p.m. today on WPHD in Philadelphia, where we carry Jimmy's show and Brian Kilmeade's show on the weekend as well. But uh, we're we're psyched. We're psyched for our our, our pal, our buddy. And you know he's going to crush it tonight, of course. So tune in tonight, 11 o'clock. For Gutfeld. And, and thanks for hanging out with me this afternoon. We've had a lot, we covered a lot of ground, great guests, including Gordon Chang, Tulsi Gabbard, and yes, Jimmy Fallon, a guest on his own radio show, which is, you know, that's how you know you've arrived when you have certainly come to the place when you are guest host. I mean, you're a guest on your own radio show. I'm just I'm just saying, you know, that's how, you know, uh, before I depart with you this afternoon, there are a couple of other audio clips I wanted to play for you that I did not get a chance to get to, But uh, um, General Jack Keane senior was, of course, he's on Fox and he's very outspoken. And, and I was hoping to talk to him today, but it's OK. I, Tulsi was great. I thought she was fantastic. His point about. Biden playing right into Putin's hand today is something everybody needs to hear. And in case you missed it, this is cut number 20.
6: Putin, what he wants is a protracted war. He believes he can outlast the Ukrainians because he's got three to one in people. And he can outlast the political will and resolve of the United States and the Western coalition. That's kind of where he is. And when we say, like the president said, listen, I applaud the... Him going to Ukraine. I applaud the speech he made, reagan like in Poland. But when he says, well, we're going to be there into the end, that's playing right into Putin's hand. He wants the end to be three or four years from now. The Ukrainians want it now. They want to take territory now. Why? Stop the bleeding. Stop the horror. End it and stop crippling their country economically.
1: He also talked about Where Russia is one year into the Ukraine invasion, because now we're looking at obviously the anniversary of all this, uh, cut 21.
6: All of their conventional combined arms forces have either been defeated in battle or taken significant losses. Airborne infantry, naval infantry, their tank guards army, their artillery, which, you know, is centerpiece for what they do. And also they've never been able to control the airspace, to have air superiority. That would be something the United States would achieve in two days.
1: Now, this is something that, it, it's a comment that echoes what Governor Ron DeSantis said the other day when he said, and of course they called him a Putin plant for saying this and a Russian sympathizer, but he said, everybody keeps talking about Russia as this great threat to NATO and Europe, and he said, I don't see it. And you know, when you think about what General Jack Keene Sr. is saying here, Considering that Russia has not been able to accomplish all these things, as we sit here and talk about giving them $2 billion more billion and more ammunition and more everything, are they really this great threat? I mean, Zelensky's out there saying today, you know, if you don't back this, if you question the spending, your sons and daughters are going to be fighting this war. But is that really true? And that's a point that you need to debate. And this is to Tulsi's point earlier in the show. This is the debate we should be having right now. But- Nevertheless, if I were in East Palestine, I still would not drink the water. That's just me. That's me. I'm very skeptical of the experts, very skeptical of the science. Call me crazy. But again, I just I don't trust any of these people. I really don't. I do know, though, that Pete Buttigieg killed his political career by this little stunt. And that's over. Hey, thanks for letting me hang out with you this afternoon. I appreciate it. I'm on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Jimmy's hosting Gutfeld tonight at 11. Do not miss it. Enjoy your Friday. Catch me in Philly. I'm starting in three minutes. Thanks.
0: Listen to the show ad free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.